0: Hello, my name's Elliot and I run the Anthology of Heroes podcast. Each episode of the show follows the life of a hero from one country of the world, but rather than the stuffy old politicians or tired stories you read about in school, I'll be sharing the forgotten stories of rebels, slaves, heretics, and outcasts, men and women who went against the tide of history regardless of the consequences. If this sounds like your kind of thing, check us out on Instagram and of course all major podcasting platforms. The name again is Anthology of Heroes podcast, and we hope
1: to see you there.
2: Right. So what I'll do is I'll do intro as per, and um, and then we'll just crack on with the questions. It takes me a while to get into the swing of things, and then once I'm in it, I'm fine. It's just mm. the initial, I feel rusty right at the beginning. Hello and welcome to the History Emporium and Powers podcast. Another wonderful session awaits us. Paddy, the real-life history teacher, has arrived to enlighten us all about that brown fizzy liquid many of us around the world guzzle daily. The topic that I refer to is of course Coca-Cola. I'm um, I'm not sure where people thought I was going there, but um yeah, it's not the poo emoji, it's definitely Coca-Cola. Hello, Patrick. How are you? Hello,
0: Oliver. I'm very well, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. And may I congratulate you on just making the topic choice seem a little bit seedy within <laughs> the first 30 seconds. I think you've just broken a record.
2: That's what I do. That's, <laughs> that is my niche, uh, <laughs> unique selling point. I can take anything and make it vile. Yes, you absolutely can, you absolutely can Hello kids, and welcome to this podcast episode <laughs> I'm surprised I've not been cancelled yet
0: That cancelled culture is around, isn't it? And I th- you're, in, you're in the, the sights, I think it, You know, by the time cancelled culture ends It will be a miracle if you're still on your feet
2: I know, but then you might be guilty by association
0: Oh God, that's true, isn't it? If I'm still in gainful employment as a history teacher... <laughs> but Can you imagine okay if well. one of
2: your students comes across me chatting shit and they're like, oh,
0: that's my teacher? Yes, but I'm very much the educator here who is looking past your gruff and bizarre... Crudeness. <laughs> Crudeness, exactly. And I'm educating the listener. I never take part in, in your uh, smut... Even though I try and drag
2: you down to my level.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm always on the first floor. Well,
2: fine. That's my mission now. (laughs) Every episode we do, I'm going to bring you into the fold. It's going to happen. Right, so, Coca-Cola is a drink that I don't drink. It's something I've never drunk, really, uh, unless it's with a mixer. And um, it's something I know very little about. I know it's got a bit of a backstory, um, history-wise. I know it's quite interesting. So you are here to enlighten me and the viewers about Coca-Cola, the
0: drink. Exactly, exactly. Now, the fascinating thing about Coca-Cola, Ollie, is that it mirrors the history of America. So the 20th century... Is called the American century. Yet in 1900, America and Coca-Cola didn't really know what their identity was. So America was unified from east to west by railroads. It had settled a civil war. But would it be a power onto itself and stay out of other countries' affairs? Would it be a European power? We definitely know know that did not happen. (laughs) That's true. Listen, it's easy to look back at the past and see it as one continual line. Mm. But if at each event we consider it didn't have to be that way, then history becomes a much more fascinating, almost like debate. So Coca-Cola in 1900 was both a medicine and a soft drink. It had more than a trace of cocaine in it. It was enjoyed by schoolchildren and hedonistic gamblers at the same time. But now, in the 1920s, both America and Coca-Cola found this time of cultural domination you know, America is this time that the West looks back on fondly in the 20s, flapper girls, speakeasies, cocktails and jam jars. And in this decade, Coca-Cola revolutionised advertising. And World War II made them both global. Now, there's one fact I want to tell you before I give you a little quiz, which, you know, I like to do oh, at the start the day. I love of a episodes. quiz.
2: I feel like this should be a staple now.
0: Yeah, yeah. But before we do, I want to tell you one fact which still blows my mind. So the year is 1946, and the American military surveyed 650 new recruits. 21 had never drank milk, but only one had never drank Coca-Cola.
2: What? That's a very Mm. specific amount of people as well, isn't it? Mm. 650.
0: Done. Done. That's mad, I mean, isn't it? I mean, that milk fact blows my mind. We have to think that, that poverty that people were coming from. But the fact that of those 21 who had never drank milk, 20 had drank Coca-Cola.
2: That's mad, because they, they, there was a massive um, campaign for a long time, not only stateside, but over here, that that milk was good for you. It was a cheap source of calcium... Um, Even in the 80s and 90s, we were getting milk delivered to school with the little little straws and the the milk cartons and stuff. So that's mad to to think that Coca-Cola was a more popular
0: choice Mm. back then. That's right. So it, it just goes to show the impact that it had on America at the time. Now... Let me begin my eight question Ollie quiz. Each one is a true or false question. Are you ready? Mm, Yes. The Coca Cola Company was started using the profits of slavery. True or false? Uh, True. It is true. Mm. It's such a depressing part of American history. That's right. Charles Pemberton, the creator, his father in law, was a plantation owner in Georgia and he sold two people uh, to give money to the new married couple. And Charles was able to use that money gained from selling two humans to start the Coca Cola company. But again, oh, stop me if I go on my pretentious rants too much, it shows how Coca Cola and America are linked. Mm. You know, it really does. And question two true or false? Coca Cola created Santa Claus. No,
2: false. Absolutely false.
0: That is false, but they did create the big, fat, jolly guy. And the red suit. And the red suit. I knew this. They were red, but they used him in their campaigns. They created the sort of the the jolly persona. But didn't he wear green? Well, he wore lots of different colours. It, it's like if you picture Jesus, Jesus could be wearing many colours. So it he had
2: matter, a rainbow a wardrobe, is that what we're saying? <laughs> he was like pro-NHS, pro-LGBTQ+,
0: plus way back it when. He was pro at all. And then Coca-Cola just made him... Red. Red. But they did create Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer.
2: Yeah, do you know, this is all coming back to me now. I think I did know that. Yeah, because he wasn't part of the original crew, was he? And obviously, red Mm -mm. being their brand colour.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Question three. Two out of two so far, Ali. Well done. Mm -hmm. True or false, Coca-Cola has been used as a currency, a national currency. Oh,
2: it's got to be true, hasn't it? It has to be. It's so mad.
0: It is true. Yes! (laughs) So, in 2007, Zimbabwe entered a period of hyperinflation. So the currency went totally out of control. You know, you, you can go on eBay and see, you know, 500,000 Zimbabwean dollars and buy it for, for, for a couple of pennies. Mm. Now, in a scenario where you don't know what your currency is worth, you use something that people do know the intrinsic value of. So in Germany in the 1920s, it was cigarettes. In some prisons, it's cigarettes. In Zimbabwe, yeah. it was bottles of Coca-Cola. <sighs>
2: I knew it had to be true because it's so wacky. I love it. Mm,
0: yeah, okay, true. True or false, Pepsi declared a company-wide holiday when Coca-Cola tried out a new recipe in the 1980s.
2: Uh, I saw a documentary about this.
0: Yes, true. That is true. Yes. That is true. And I can't wait to tell you about this later. But for now, that is just a little bit of a tidbit of a fact. At number six... My apologies, number five. In World War Two, when the Americans invaded North Africa, three Coca-Cola bottling plants were created for their soldiers within a month. Right,
2: so can you repeat the question? Mm-hmm. I just need to get my logistics right.
0: In World War II, yeah. when the Americans invaded North Africa, yeah. three bottling plants were created within a month.
2: Uh, I'm going to say true, just because of what you've told me about uh, later on in 1946, more people trying Coca-Cola than milk. So true.
0: Hmm, well done. Yes, Yes. that is true. And it led to, you know, dispatches sent from Churchill to his generals, you know, making fun of American soldiers for, you know, needing their soft beds and their soft drinks and whatnot. Um, Number six, Coca-Cola created the first radio jingle. you. It is false. Damn. Pepsi. Pepsi created the first radio jingle. Pepsi used to have really good uh, TV
2: adverts. Like I remember the Michael Jackson one and the Spice Girls one. That um, did Michael Jackson's hair set light when they were doing the Pepsi one? I'm pretty I sure have that's true. No
0: recollection of this.
2: And then there was the uh, the Spice Girls one. It was like um, they were like Mel C was like rapping in it.
0: Wow. Yeah, it was okay. like, come on over. Yeah.
2: I mean, I'm going to butcher it, but it was, it was something like that. Next
0: stage, next stage, next grave, next wave. Hold it down, feel the light. Let them it know it's a vibe. Pick it up, it's a lie. Move over, yeah, don't do it. Oh, yeah. So we're getting the gist. Yeah. Okay, we'll come back to Pepsi later on. Number seven. When Coca-Cola was introduced to Europe, it created a vomiting bug.
2: I'm going to say it's true because my reasoning behind it is the, the whole sugar fizzy drink thing um, was probably a shock to the system. So, true.
0: You're right, but you're right for the wrong reasons. Damn. It was because the plugs at the top of the bottles, they were cork they hadn't been de-sterilised. Wow. Mm. So they put bacteria into the drink. Error. OK, well done, though. You're on an absolute roll here. Um, number eight, true or false, the Nazis created Fanta. Oh, true. Oh, that is true. Yes, well Yeah, done. I knew that one. Ah, OK, there we go. Well, it's nice that you're coming to this episode with, to this lesson, with a good degree <laughs> of, of background knowledge. Thanks for that.
2: Yeah, all. I actually know more than I thought, considering I don't actually drink fizzy drinks.
0: Oh, of course. Of course. Mm. So that's the end of my quiz. Seven out of eight. Very well done. A very healthy pass.
2: Can we just edit it and say that i got eight out of eight? <laughs> Be my I best don't know man. why I'm asking you. It's my podcast. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> I will edit that it. Yes, I got all of them right. Correct. Um, that was fun. I enjoyed that. I enjoy these quizzes. We should do them.
0: Yeah, me too. All me too. the time. Let's do them
2: every time I'm on. All the time. Okay. So, do you want to tell me... Let's start at the beginning. Do you want to tell me about the creation of Coca-Cola? It would
0: be weird if I didn't. (laughs) Uh, Right. Yes, I shall. Coca-Cola was created in 1886 in Atlanta, Georgia, one year after Dr Pepper was created in Texas.
2: Okay, that's news to me, because I would assume that Dr Pepper would have come after...
0: Mm, mm. One year before Yeah mm. Now John C Pemberton Sorry that was a needlessly long pause John C Pemberton Was A really bizarre man Who we don't know that much about We knew that he experimented With cocaine When he was doing Amateur eye surgery
2: <laughs> Okay Mm -hmm. The the two are renownedly linked,
0: I'm sure. I don't even want to consider how that would work. But this was a man who was a good businessman without being a great businessman, Mm -hmm. good scientist without being great. But at the time of the 1870s and 1880s, I guess not dissimilar to today, people were always on the lookout for sort of natural wonder drugs. Mm. And if we think about Coca-Cola... The cola is the cola nut, which comes from West Africa. And, you know, it was used, it was chewed by West Africans for extra energy. It had been part of the fabric of West African life for centuries. Uh, There was lots of caffeine in the cola nuts. And when we come to coca, coca had been introduced in North America because the Incas had called it their divine plant. And it was something that was really central to their society excuse me so by the early 1880s just a couple of years before coca cola was created coca was being reported on as something which could actually stop people being addicted to opium and morphine so cocaine was seen as a drug which could wean people off other more dangerous drugs so so (laughs) I know I know. It, it It only took about a decade or two decades for people to realise how wrong they were. But this idea of the cola nut and the cocoa plant were, were quite exciting to people because these were seen as something which would give you, you know, an invigorated lifestyle mm. and whatnot. So, in May 1886, he put the two names together, Coca, Cola, Coca-Cola. And the first ad which ran in the Atlanta Journal, said Coca-Cola, delicious, refreshing, exhilarating, invigorating. The new and popular soda fountain drink containing the properties of the wonderful cola plant and the famous cola nut. So there we are. It it became quite widely available, but it wasn't uh, John C. Pemberton who really promoted it. It was uh, a man called Asa Candler, but we should come back to him. We shall come back to him later on. So there we are. It, it started off as a health drink, I guess, and it was sold mostly at soda fountains.
2: So you almost wonder why now they kept the cola, their coca. Hmm. I mean, I suppose it's lost all its meaning, hasn't it? Now, there's, there's yeah, you're right. not many people think, "Oh, cocaine." Hmm. Um, but yeah, interesting, interesting, because a lot of these sort of, well, especially opium and cocaine were, were medicinal, which me- leads me quite nicely onto my next question. So was Coca-Cola created
0: as a medicine or as a drink? Hmm. I think it was a bit of both. Like, the 1880s isn't that long ago. You know, our great-grandparents, you know, you or I are, are of a similar age, mm. in our 30s. There's a good chance that our great-grandparents were alive then. So, it doesn't seem like a hugely long time ago, yet the medicine, for the most part around the world, was medieval. There had mm. been great medical developments in the, 18, well, in the late 1800s, but really, most of the treatments hadn't developed at all. So, people were still scrambling for... I guess, a medicine which would prevent you getting sick. So in many ways, Coca-Cola was plugged as the thing which would give you an energised lifestyle, you know. So I guess it was a little bit of both. Um, It was a little bit of both, yeah. And as the drink went on and it's found its place in society after a couple of decades, then it became primarily a soft drink. But, I mean, it was sold at pharmacies. You know, soda fountains where these ornate sort of um, structures which were in what you and I would just call chemists. Yeah. So it was sold in the same place that you would get run-of-the-mill pharmaceuticals. That's interesting because um,
2: I also know of another product that was um, created uh, to be a medicine uh, but actually became... Liam Perrin's Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> so oh, yeah, that's so it it was. Um, now I'm paraphrasing here because it's a long time since I read the article, but um, apparently a chemist was was mocking something up to to cure an ailment, and he um, he left this concoction uh, at the back of the shelf to just ferment and all this kind of stuff. Someone else came across it and then. There you go. We have Worcestershire sauce.
0: Very interesting. Mmm, isn't it? Mmm. Isn't Mm.
2: it? I always wonder as well, like, so how... You know there's foods that we can eat and there's foods that we can't eat. So uh, mushrooms, let's take mushrooms, for example. So, like, surely it would have just been a case of trial and error. (laughs) Like, Mm. oh, I'll eat that one. (laughs) I'm fine. I'll eat that one. Oh, wait, they died. Don't eat that one. (laughs) (laughs) And then so on and so forth. And I also think it about, like, baking cakes and stuff. So how did, how did someone know to put free eggs and flour and sugar and whatever together and that will make that if you cook it for a certain amount of time? Like, what, why would you even do that <laughs> like, I mean, to mind begin mind, with? Isn't it? isn't it? And then we just take it for granted that that's how you make said items. Mm. Mm. Anyway... I digress. Um, so you you talked a little bit about the chap that made or sort of created the drink. So did was this a solely American thing? Did he did he promote it across America?
0: Ah, no. So Pemberton was the man that created Coca Cola, but he was lucky enough to come across this man called Asa Candler, and. Within months of creating the company, Asa Candler got involved. Now he was the man that put Coca-Cola on the map. He's what the Americans would call the American Dream. Mm. His father, I mean, he, he sounds like a Donald Trump. He created a town called Rich Town, Villa Rica. <laughs> um,
2: you must be rich to live here.
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty much, Rich Town. And um, but he had said to his children, you have to pay your own way. So Asa would tell these stories about himself, uh, you know, kind of the way that Trump does, you know. But there's this great story that he told, probably apocryphal, but nonetheless I want to share it with you today. So he said that when he was growing up in the countryside and playing with his friends, he once chased down and captured a wild mink. Now, He hadn't heard of people selling mink skins, but you know, as he captured this animal and skinned it, he thought, hmm, that's quite soft. So the town of the city of Atlanta was 36 miles away. There was no railroads at the time. So he thought, if I can get the skin, this mink skin, to Atlanta, then maybe I'll get 25 cents for it. But he brought the skin to Atlanta and he got a dollar. The first dollar he ever made. Now, he then organised children, he employed children in his neighbourhood to trap minks, kill them, skin them, and then he set up a regular trade. We're talking like a 12 or 13-year-old here. Mm. Selling minks in Atlanta. He would rent these wagons, and in the return wagon, he purchased uh, hairpins. And then he would sell them in Richtown, where he grew up, or Villarica. So... It was a lesson that he later applied to Coca-Cola in that there was good money to be made from selling many penny and nickel sales. I think a nickel sale for an American, I guess that's like two cents or five cents, I'm not sure. But his point being, if you can sell lots of something where you're making a small profit, it's almost better than selling one thing where you're making a massive profit.
2: That's definitely the the textbook American dream story, isn't it? The one that we hear... Yeah, um, rags to riches kind of story and um, definitely something that still people look back to. And um, there's definitely a slogan that you you can be anyone you want to be in the States,
0: um, yeah, regardless right. I mean, of who you are. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I th- let's be honest, any one of our listeners will know. Would well, yeah, that's true if if you're a white man. Um, But of course, America was a land of opportunity. I think in the 1800s, we have to remember that most of the world wasn't. You know, there was strict class systems or caste systems all around the world. So America did provide that opportunity. But Candler was the man who saw a huge potential in advertisement. Now, within the first decades of Coca-Cola being created, people who drank it a lot were called users and they were called Coca-Cola fiends. So he knew that this cocaine uh, ingredient was, was a problem. But nonetheless, he, he essentially spent a huge amount on advertising. Um, by 1900, it was sold in every state and every territory in the United States. He flooded the market with Coca-Cola advertising, be it posters, calendars, serving trays, thermometers, clocks, pencils, bookmarks, anything going, even painting walls red he would make sure that in every town walls were painted red and there would always be someone drinking a Coca-Cola next to it.
2: It's so recognisable as well, mm. isn't it? The, mm. the brand and the logo and the, even the shade of red.
0: Mm-hmm. You just know instantly.
2: Know yeah, absolutely. And this was the beginning of that.
0: So Candler came up with two really good ideas. Number one, you encourage people to open their own bottling plants they, cre- they bottle their own Coca-Cola and they sell their own Coca-Cola. So that was quite a good idea. It wasn't a centralised operation. Mm. You know, anyone could open a bottling factory and as long as it passed the, uh, the, the requisite quality checks, then you were good to sell Coca-Cola. Now, another idea that he had was, and this sounds so stupid to us now, but that women were consumers. So he essentially you know, come up with the idea that women are half the population, let's pitch this to women, and of course, you know, social changes were happening right the way across America and Mm. Europe, women had jobs, women had freedom, women had time women had money, so you know, you've got these terribly sexist ads you know, someone called Mrs. Blue of, oh my, how tired I am nothing wears me out so completely as an afternoon shopping then Mrs. Cheerful tells her about the wonderful secret of Coca-Cola. When I get out when I start out I get a glass of Coca-Cola. That keeps my nerves quiet. On the way home I get another. You know, you can see where it's going here, but ultimately the big, big pitch was get women to drink Coca-Cola. And and of course it worked. Um Their advertising became so notorious that there was how can I put this delicately? A Coca-Cola bottle was used in a group session of mutual love. Right, got you, yeah. By a comedian called Fatty Arbuckle.
2: As in Fatty Arbuckle as in the restaurant, Fatty Mm -hmm, Arbuckles. mm -hmm. You know, my dad used to uh, win the T-shirts every time we went there. For, like, eating the full Knickerbocker glory.
0: No way. So your dad wore the T-shirt of a man who utilised a Coca-Cola bottle in a very unsavoury fashion. I mean, fine. (laughs) 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 So, listen, I hope I've covered the early years of Coca-Cola well. We've got the creation, and we've got that huge publicity drive. Obviously, it was a nice drink. People loved it. But there's lots of nice drinks But through the advertising and the bottling ideas of Coca-Cola, it became pretty darn nationwide.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And relatively quickly as Mm. well. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so what I want to know, and what I'm sure the listeners want to know, is when was um, the cocaine actually removed from Coca-Cola. Is this where you tell us it wasn't and we're all just
0: high yeah, all yeah. the time? This is, yeah, this, this is where I have, you know, a world exclusive. <laughs> no, we think it was about 1901. Ah, oh, so quite early doors. Coincidentally, when Queen Victoria died. Total coincidence. Um, so quite early doors. Um, so if I can just talk you through some milligram measurements. So a typical dose of cocaine, which, you know, somebody might used today, for example, uh, would contain 35 milligrams of cocaine. Okay. A glass of Coca-Cola had 4.3 milligrams. Ah, oh, okay. So if you had 10 glasses of Coca-Cola, you were doing the equivalent of somebody taking one average dose of cocaine. Right. This. I mean...
2: Yeah, it's enough, isn't it, to... Oh, absolutely, absolutely. ...send you a bit loopy.
0: So, really, the issue here wasn't that Coca-Cola were worried about people's health. I'm sure gasp from our listeners. Actually, the issue <laughs> was, was, was a public relations thing. So, Asa Candler fought really hard to make a distinction between the natural use of cocoa leaves and cocaine, the pure alkaloid. But, really, people knew cocaine was in the drink... And it, it it wasn't, it wasn't looking good for Coca-Cola considering the fact that so many children actually drank it. So, um, what the company did was they would never say what was in their recipe because they didn't have to. There was the first law passed saying you know you have to tell customers if there's drugs in their drink was in nineteen fourteen. So okay, always, so they're way
2: before that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, they would loosely say, oh, oh, cocaine used to be in the drink. But they would never say we, we took it away. So it was always Coca-Cola used to have cocaine in it, which is like, you know, I, I, I don't know, it's like saying Coca-Cola used to have sugar in it. It still does, but it used to have sugar in it. So really, we think it was about 1901 that they removed it bit by bit. It after.
2: seems like an expensive, or maybe it wasn't, ingredient to put in a drink.
0: Yeah, you I know, see what you mean. I mean, they would just, they would import cocoa leaves Mm. So, I guess it's the same as I suppose it's not like the street
2: value that it is yeah. today, yeah. Um, because yeah. that would be a hell of a hell of a, yeah, a markup, yeah. <laughs> on yeah. uh, <laughs> we're just gonna buy this, I don't know, whatever, it, how much, how I don't know what the going rate is these days, but I, it's a lot, I believe. Mm. Mm. And um, yeah, we're just gonna put this in every bottle of Coca Cola. Which well, yeah,
0: of seems course. expensive, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think coca-cola wasn't the only uh, wasn't the only product which you would find traces of cocaine and you know cough syrup and whatnot had it so that you know this was mm. this was a drug which quickly people knew was highly addictive and highly dangerous, but nonetheless it was it was used mm. in various different products
2: as was opium that was a big as, yeah you're big, big absolutely big right. thing Queen Victoria famously um or not so famously at the time but um now we know her medicine cabinet was full of cocaine sugar cubes it was full of um wow. uh, opium bottles where she'd have a, a a teaspoon of of opium uh she was high as a kite in her later years you imagine carrying all that weight she's probably got gout and all this kind of stuff oh, God, and yeah. um yeah. yeah she's basically just High <laughs> for the last few years of her life.
0: Quite interesting.
2: I am. Um, I actually wrote an article about it. If anyone wants to check it out, it's um, really yeah, oh, on the oh. on thehistorycorner dot org. Um, yeah, go check it out. It's about That's Queen Victoria Wednesday. and her being a little bit naughty. I believe you wrote something for them as well,
0: didn't you? Yeah I did, yeah. And
2: John yeah. Snow, is that right?
0: On Jon Snow, that's yes, right. Which
2: we yeah. also did a podcast episode on. That's right, that's right. I think it was the first one that I did, yeah. It was. There we go. It's all it's all rounded off quite nicely, isn't it? But we're not finished. So you talked about kids and kids being in the um service, I guess, of Coca Cola. So how was child labour used? in the creation of Coca-Cola. To
0: sum it up in one word, proudly. Oh, (laughs) So, I mean, we all know that child labour was used in the 1800s, but we're talking 1908. uh, There was a a convention of the National Child Labour Committee in Atlanta. So Candler, the head of Coca-Cola, gets up and, you know... This this committee had gathered together to stop child labour. Here's what he said. Child labour, properly conducted, properly surrounded, properly conditioned, is calculated to bring the highest measure of success to any country on the face of the earth. It's the American dream. Mm. The most beautiful sight that we see is the child at labour. And of course he went on, you know. You know, the best thing for anyone is to work hard as a child. Blah blah blah. Let's just
2: exploit Um, people. We know how well that goes down, don't we? With these child star actors, for example.
0: Yeah. Their their mental
2: health is not damaged at all, is it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not in the slightest. And I mean, this is we're pushing seven or eight decades since, in the House of Commons, you know, the bastion of right wing individualism, even. You know, eighty years before this speech in in nineteen oh eight, there were serious concerns about child labor and mm-hmm. the abuse of 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 children right the way across Britain. So it's it's astounding to see that in America, in in the twentieth century, you've got the 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 man running the Coca Cola company really promoting this idea of child labor. So they used they used children a huge amount in their factories. And were, you know, drag kicking and screaming to modern, what we would call modern work practices. Mm. That's insane, isn't it? That's actually insane. um... And and actually, incidentally, sorry to cut across you, but during World War II, wherever the Americans went, Coca-Cola bottling plants were opened really, really soon afterwards. You know, there was, I think, 12 billion bottles of Coca-Cola were drank by the American army in the war, you know, this Coca-Cola went hand in hand with American expansionism. But they would prefer um, German and Japanese uh, essentially uh, what would what we call that labour, where, where you capture someone in war and they have to work for you. Um, um, like a labour camp? A, yeah, essentially, yeah. So they... The, Ameri- the Coca-Cola company didn't like forcing local civilians to work in their uh, to work in their, <laughs> in their factories, so they preferred Japanese or that prisoners or, or, of war. Yeah. Exactly, prisoners of war. Yeah, so they would prefer German and Japanese prisoners of war to work there because they felt they worked better than than your average civilian. And we command a Nazi Germany, but the Coca-Cola factories in Nazi Germany actually preferred convicted criminals. To, to work for Coca-Cola because they felt that they had a weirdly better sales pitches when they were selling the drink to various different uh, shops and markets. How bizarre. I wonder mm. why. Mm. Isn't
2: mm-hmm. that
0: interesting? Mm. And there's a quote from the head of Coca-Cola in Germany during the late 1930s saying, my best employee is a man who murdered his wife. <laughs> Mm. like why mm. I know I know it's so confusing
2: look I can kill my wife I can bottle that stuff really well
0: <laughs> i I'm, ha-
2: I'm good with my hands
0: it's so weirdly upset no he, he was actually a salesman it's mm. so bizarre
2: it's actually interesting so, so you compared it earlier to um a sort of coca-cola sort of sitting alongside the story of America it's this mm. toing and froing about America potentially at, at, at points being very modern and very forward thinking but then it's almost like and then it brings it goes like two steps back and then Europe's two steps forward and then they're two steps back it's just this really weird um like uh, table tennis going between the 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 old
0: and the new yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And that's why I think this history of Coca-Cola is so fascinating, because it mirrors what's happening in in in, in America. Or like you said there, in Europe, in the West, Coca-Cola just always seems to be popping up, reflecting the attitudes of, of American society, I guess.
2: Mm. And it is interesting as well, sort of mainly studying uh, British and European history, that um so so you get these points in time where america is really seen as a success story so i remember sort of the 90s we the 80s and 90s so we all very much were looking over to america and their forward thinking and how how they weren't backwards and how they didn't have this class system still hanging on that we today we still hang on to we've got, the, we've got bloody first and second class stamps for god's sake it's, um, it's mad <laughs> um, but then how attitudes change when uh, let's say uh, America sort of led into war and then they were kind of frowned upon but then they, they, uh, they were then seen as um, uh, like modern and forward thinking a bit later than that, it's, it's, it's definitely this power struggle between the two sides, I guess, mm-hmm. East and West. You're right. Mm. I don't know what my comparison was. In my head, it made sense.
0: No, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And, you know, the, I imagine if you were to play some sort of game with anyone across the planet of, you know, word association, Coca-Cola will not be far off when America is mentioned.
2: Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely absolutely so you mentioned earlier about the roaring 20s um which is a period that i love absolutely love but how did coca-cola expand so much in this this period of time
0: well so the 1920s is seen as almost like a the beginning of modern advertising and coca-cola were right at the front of that so they had various different approaches to advertising. It wasn't a one-size-fits-all thing here. So they talked a lot about the pace of life in the 1920s. And uh, they talked about how, you know, this this modern urban technological lifestyle um, goes hand-in-hand hand with Coca-Cola. So it, it these ads would almost say, you know, we understand about the tempo of today. You know, we understand that everything today is fast. Quick lunches at soda fountains, quick cooking recipes, quick tabloid newspapers. And then, of course, have a quick Coca-Cola.
2: so it It fitted in nicely. Exactly.
0: They would always tell society what was happening and then tell them how Coke fitted in there. Now, there was a man called Archie Lee who is seen as the the guru in advertising that he realised that a product's image was more important than the product itself. Mm. So when he was on holiday with his family, he noticed that his four-year-old daughter gave such attention to her Winnie the Pooh bear that other children fought over it, even though their toys were better. Mm. So Lee took this incident as a parable. You know, it's not what a product is, but what it does. So... We then have this idea that Coca-Cola, rest or play, you can enjoy it, you know. um, It's always to be found in a cool and cheerful place. There's this great phrase called the pause that refreshes. So this idea that in your day you need to pause and drink a Coca-Cola. They hark back to a mythical past and listen... You and I are living in Britain at the moment and it seems that that's what our media and that our government are doing constantly, this (laughs) mythical past of Britain. Coca-Cola weren't weren't far off, you know. They would look back to, you know, freckled-faced boys at the old fishing hole, you know, the dog next to them and a Coca-Cola bottle.
2: A better time. A A simpler time.
0: Exactly, yeah. And, of course, we're talking advertising, we're talking the 1920s, so sexuality was a big thing. There Mm. was... Huge sex appeal. Sex sales. From... Exactly. Exactly. Um lots of double entendres. Um they portrayed brunettes and blondes. Um now it wasn't the blatantly sexual advertising that we would see today.
2: Oh yeah, uh, it's nothing is left to the imagination now, is it? <laughs>
0: no, like... no, exactly. But but I, I think that, that phrase is it the imagination. There was, you know, it, a lot was implied mm. um, so we have this uh, well I guess just this huge huge amount of money and time being spent on advertising now in the 1920s it was a hugely technological time too if we think about you know refrigerators, hair dryers uh, radios um, now the attention to detail uh, for for Coca-Cola was, was huge. So that they would, uh, let me see, they would make sure that when anyone was serving Coca-Cola, not dissimilar to what Guinness do today, mm. they would make sure that it had to be served at the perfect temperature. There had to be ice chippings in there. You had to uh, make sure that the carbonated water should be poured down the side of the glass to avoid losing fizz. You know all this kind of stuff. And so it's an
2: experience as well as... a drink.
0: Exactly, exactly. So in the 1920s, they were just hugely at the forefront of this. And, you know, with science and with bottling a product for for human consumption, you need to make sure that that, that hygiene is is a factor. So there was a man called Ernest Woodruff who brought together... It's a bit cheesy, but he brought together his entire... Uh, soda fountain sales force for a meeting in 1926 and he fired every single one of them Ouch. he said to them Coca-Cola doesn't need salesmen anymore however the next day every single one of you is welcome to reapply for your jobs as servicemen so the idea that they would go around making sure that the quality of Coca-Cola was good because it sold itself um. You know, so there's this again. It's kind of cheesy, but it sums up. Uh, it sums up the the Coca-Cola approach. So this guy Woodruff would famously come into factories, you know, unannounced and and, and check their cleanliness. Uh, not dissimilar to Archbishop Parker in the Elizabethan era, uh, hence the term nosy Parker." Um, but he would, you know, go into factories and check that there wasn't any spillages of syrup because that would attract flies, etc. He went into one factory and he said, listen, you have to clean up your operation or you're fired. This man said, but Mr Woodruff, it don't do no good to clean up. The next day it will just look like this again. And there was a moment of tense silence as Woodruff slowly took out his cigar, lit it, took a drag, said to the man, you wipe your ass, don't you? (laughs) <laughs> and then left the fuckery. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is very true. Although, I'm not sure that man could have lived very long if he was drinking Coca-Cola and smoking cigars. No, that's true, actually, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: That's mm. a good point, yeah. Although that means
2: spoiler. nothing. I know people that have smoked and drunk fizzy juice forever and a day, and they're <laughs> in their 90s now. I know mm. also know sportsmen that have died in their 30s. So, it's uh, mm. yeah, it makes no... Uh, there is no real comparison I guess it's luck, luck right. of the draw I guess that's right um, um, it's funny I, I, that you I mentioned actually,
0: well I was just going to say the last point about the 1920s that's when Santa was um, well no of course yeah, Santa, Santa, Santa existed the, the, whole time, the, the whole time but yes you're right the, the modern version of Santa that we know um, was developed by, by Coca-Cola that's mad, isn't it? Because that's worldwide
2: now. We just we all grow up with those images of Santa wearing red. We just mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's just what it is. And um, I remember seeing a film when Santa was actually in green, and I was like, no, wrong, <laughs> absolutely wrong.
0: But and we're still um, victims of nineteen twenties advertising.
2: But yeah, if you look at um, any old, I don't know, book or sketch. Um, Santa is in predominantly green because it was like mm. an earthy colour um, to mm. be one with nature. So St Nick sort of actually comes originally from a pagan thing. So it's, it, that's how it grew up. Um, and then it has become this mass media Coca-Cola branded commercial thing. Which is mad absolutely um I was just you know you mentioned um, that whole sex appeal. Can you remember the advert of the the man? I think it was Diet Coke, and it was like do 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 and there was like a lift, and there was this guy he was yeah. taking his top off, and he was like the the, the can looks breath yeah.
0: or something 11.15 yeah. and
2: all these women were like I mean you'd never get away with that now because it's just basically saying women will fall over any man that's got a six pack mm-hmm. and it's, mm-hmm. it's very um, sexist really it's, it's still in that um, that age of women just love white muscly men <laughs> <laughs> um, it just wouldn't happen these days but I remember that advert clearly and everyone mm-hmm. thinking it was like really raunchy And it probably was for the time.
0: Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, I think it was Diet Coke Break. There was something about Diet Coke Break. Yeah, because Diet
2: Coke, I think it was a
0: relatively new thing.
2: People were kind of getting um, more aware of their sugar intake and um, all the crap that we'd been given in the 80s, especially here, have 20 million sweets and have sweets that look like (laughs) cigarettes. And here's some chocolate cigarettes and da-da-da. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, shit. (laughs) We need to clean our act up. Mm, Absolutely. um, But I digress. I digress. Um, So, we've mentioned this briefly before and you said you'd come back to it. So I want to know, um, when did Pepsi become a rival
0: yeah, so this is an odd one. So Pepsi was created in 1894. Initially it was called Pepsin. Oh, and so early as well. Hmm. Yeah, well it had Pepsin in it, and it was sold gasp as medicine. But weirdly it was created by a man called Caleb Bradham. And then he initially started a drink called Brad's Drink. So he must have been called Brad, you know, surname Bradham. And He renamed it Pepsi-Cola. And several times in the 1920s and early 30s, they tried to sell Pepsi to the Coca-Cola company. And Coca-Cola was not interested. You know, and for quite small amounts of money, um, the last time was in 1932. They offered Pepsi to Coca-Cola for $50,000. and. Coca-Cola said, listen, you have to stop trying to sell this. We are not interested. We don't want your Pepsi. Exactly. So Pepsi was seen as... mm, Not inferior necessarily, but I guess like Pepsi today, it's okay. I couldn't tell the difference between them, but they didn't have the amount of money to spend. That's
2: interesting because a lot of people I know actually prefer Pepsi. Like the the soda drinkers. I mean, I'm not Mm. one of them, but... um,
0: well, well you know, when taste tests became a bit more scientific in the seventies and eighties, Pepsi always come out on top. And I will come back to this when when Coca-Cola tried to introduce a new drink in, in the eighties because Pepsi was outperforming them. But in the thirties, Pepsi had a choice to make. They couldn't sell a the company. They weren't selling enough of their drink. So they thought, well hang on a second. It's the nineteen thirties, it's the Depression era people can't afford to be paying for Coke, so let's make it half the price and you get twice as much. Mm, so they yeah. took uh, old beer bottles and went to Baltimore, which I think is Baltimore where they filmed The Wire, you know, a sort of a... I have
2: never actually seen The Wire, so I don't oh, okay.
0: know. OK. It's, yeah, it's a good television programme. But, um, you know, Baltimore was, a, you know, blue-collar neighbourhoods, working class, and they made Pepsi half the price of Coke, And it took off. It really took off. I guess it was kind of seen as like the hipster drink because you were buying it in a recycled beer bottle. You know, you weren't buying the polished brand of Coca-Cola. You were buying something that made you just a little bit different.
2: Is that like when we get like wonky vegetables now? Everyone's just like, oh, I've been to the farmer's market and look how dirty my potato is. Exactly. It's just come straight from the
0: ground. (laughs) Yeah, Um, 1935 they created a new jingle because this might sound uh, odd for us now but ads at the time would last 5 minutes so you would be advertising a product and it wasn't short and snappy like it is today Mm. Um, we're looking 5 minutes so again Pepsi said well we can't afford 5 minutes what we can afford is 30 seconds no one would take on Uh, A jingle at 30 seconds. It just wasn't the dumb thing. Until Pepsi found a couple of small stations in New Jersey that needed money. So they said, well tell you what take our 30 second ad. And they developed this little jingle.
1: (laughs) Pepsi Cola is the drink for you. Nickel, 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 nickel. Pepsi Cola hits the spot. Twelve full ounces—that's a lot. Why so much for a nickel, too? Pepsi Cola is the drink for you. Thirsty people everywhere prefer ice cold Pepsi Cola, and because it's light, it refreshes without filling.
2: Charlie.
0: That was adapted as a march, a waltz, a rumba, a country song. It was called the Scourge of the Continent. In nineteen forty-one, the jingle was played three hundred thousand times. So Pepsi had become national
2: ahead of their time as well. Because you, mm-hmm. you, you imagine all the radio ads that you hear now on, um, on the ra- well, on the radio or on telly or whatever. Those little jingles, like I can recall quite a few <laughs> just by the rhyme and the rhythm and the, the, the sort mm-hmm. of the punchiness of them mm-hmm. um, yeah so they were yeah good on them
0: yeah absolutely and of course Coca-Cola would be kicking themselves because well it's like that uh, you know that story today of was it was it Blockbuster was uh, was offered Netflix at a ridiculously low price when Netflix yeah. was like DVDs to people and yeah I guess you know it's just one of those great what-ifs, I suppose. Oh, I used to love the Blockbuster
2: on a Friday night. Mm. For those mm-hmm. younger people who are not aware of what Blockbuster video is, it was a video store later turning into a DVD store, and you would actually have to physically go to pick your phys- physical copy up of the DVD or video. You'd normally get, like, free for a tenner, like, or something like that, and then you could get your popcorn and your snacks, and that would be your Friday night.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh and I tell you what, if you didn't give your your tape or DVD back on time, there were serious fines. Oh,
2: they were huge.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Those those discs were um were a lot of a uh, lot of money back then. I remember like originally when DVDs kind of first came out, like nearly 20 quid some of them. Mm. And that's mm-hmm. back in the uh, like 90s. That's right. That's right. Anyway, I digress. Okay, so you uh, alluded to uh, the Nazis earlier on uh, in the episode. So tell me more about the Nazis and Coca-Cola.
0: Right. So Coca-Cola just took off in Germany. It really really did, but it was a, you know, again I alluded to it earlier on this this stomach bug which which started so in you know, after World War One, people in Europe had heard about Coca-Cola, but they didn't know that much about it. Um, now, crowds would gather in cafes, restaurants, shops, when it was advertised that Coca-Cola was going to be there. Everyone wanted to taste this American drink. Now, it almost made everybody who drank it violent.
2: <laughs> but they would the never again...
0: Well, that's right. The European water wasn't always clean, and it wasn't always acidic, and the corks at the top of the bottle hadn't been sterilised. So actually, people were just being given poison. Um, And actually, across France and Britain, that put people off Coca-Cola. But in Germany, it did surprisingly well. And, uh, you know, this for whatever reason, you know, it's like, just stereotype of German engineering, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they're so efficient, aren't they? Well, yeah, I mean, for whatever reason, it did well in Germany. A man called Max Keat was in charge. Now, essentially, as the Germans throughout World War II overran Europe, our Coca-Cola bottling plant was only weeks away. So, as the Germans took over Austria with the Anschluss, six months later, Coca Cola bottling plant. Coca Cola is advertised with, you know, SS men drinking it and whatnot. Italy, France, Netherlands, Luxembourg, Belgium, Norway. Every time the Nazis took over, Coca Cola was being served. Now, as the squeeze on imports started to hit Germany, we're really talking mm, 1941 onwards. Mm they couldn't make coca-cola properly because rationing was really really putting a squeeze on on, on on getting the ingredients in so coca-cola decided to make a fruit flavored drink they relied on things you know sort of by-products and the Germans of world war 2 were were surprisingly good at this of using by-products from industry to create more uh, to create more well, byproducts, I guess, and um, to the extent that really the Allies couldn't figure out how German people were eating, how mm. you know German tanks and jeeps and whatnot were actually being powered, um, but relying on available ingredients, uh, they created Fantasy, or shortened Fanta, mm. and from it was I mean it was created this you know this drink Fanta while the Allies were. Bombing the life out of German cities Fanta was selling in huge numbers 3 million cases sold in 1943 and um, people actually bought Fanta for a key recipe in stews because they couldn't buy regular sugar so they would buy Fanta and they would pour it into to stews to, to whatever and all 43 Coca-Cola bombing plants in Germany were bombed during the war um, and as the war went on, the Coca-Cola would use forced labour from anywhere in Europe, anywhere in the world. And it's bizarre that while, uh, for example, Chinese labourers were being forced to work in German Coca-Cola factories, dozens of miles away, the Americans had opened their own Coca-Cola factories where they would be selling not Fanta, but Coca-Cola because wherever American troops went, there was Coca-Cola. Wherever Nazi troops went, there was Coca-Cola. Now, um, I'm sure if I was to say the name Zhukov, that might ring a bell with you and our listeners. He was the, the probably the most famous Russian leader of the 20th century. His name was Georgi Konstantinovich Zhukov. And he was the hero of the Battle of Stalingrad. Now, he'd heard all about Coca-Cola, of course he had. So when the Allied armies and the Red Army met, uh, you know, as they pushed in from the East and the West, yeah, respectively...
2: because they were all mates at this point.
0: Well, they were all mates. The Cold War hadn't started yet. Mm. Yeah, that's right. So Zhukov uh, shared a drink with Eisenhower. Zhukov gave Eisenhower vodka. Eisenhower knocked it back. Eisenhower gave Zhukov Coca-Cola... He knocked it back, but he'd never had a fizzy drink before, so instantly the Coca Cola came out of his nose, <laughs> and he, you know, was hugely embarrassed in front of the Americans and whatnot. But he had a good laugh. Him and Eisenhower got on quite well, and um, and then as they settled down and the war wasn't fully over, you know, they had to divide up the spoils and whatnot. Mm. He came to be addicted to to Coca Cola, so he sent a message to Eisenhower saying, "You've got to get me dozens of crates of this, man, you know." And so as the Cold War was starting, as it appeared clear that the Red Army were not leaving Eastern Europe and the Americans weren't going anytime soon, it became a problem because he couldn't be seen to be drinking. You know, the American
2: imperialist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that was that would have been absolutely that against.
0: Would have bad. Yeah. So a request went to President Truman, and President Truman called it <laughs> a local chemist and said, listen, whatever you do, just make Coca-Cola slightly different. I'm not going to tell you why. Make it different, and I want you to put a cap on it with a red star in the middle. So the chemist goes to the Coca-Cola company. They figure this out. They took out the caramel colouring, and then they created a clear bottle of see-through Coca-Cola with a white cap, a red star in it, and they sent 50 cases of this. To Zhukov. It was called White Coke. And uh, the Americans, in fairness, kept this a secret for quite a long time. And they would secretly ship Coca Cola to Zhukov. That's kind of cool, isn't it? That, that's mental.
2: So they, they're, mm. they're like fighting over territory. So the, the Red Army and the other Allied forces, vo- forces have met um, in Germany. Uh, it's kind of where the wall was, the Berlin Wall, etc., mm. uh, between mm. the two, and they're still having like little deals on the side, just helping <laughs> each other out. How mm. mad!
0: It's kind of nice, isn't it? It's yeah. quirky,
2: yeah. kooky. Mm. I like mm. it. I like it. It just, yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure um, everyone's values were their core cool values, which they um, that they had were were being stuck to. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that's one way of it Yeah, absolutely mm.
2: So how did Coca-Cola change with the times After World War II?
0: Coca-Cola really struggled To change As America struggled to change um, You know, our American listeners Will know all about the 1954 Brown versus the Board of Education decision Which essentially stopped uh, racial segregation in in america mm. um now coca cola bottlers, so you know we're talking these local uh these local owners of bottling plants almost all sat on 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 local government boards okay. and you know you had many many coca cola employees vowing to close their public schools rather than let, uh, rather than let uh, black and, and mixed race Americans in. That's so mad. this created huge problems for, for Coca-Cola, again, because there was huge problems in America. Mm. Um, so in many cities and towns, um, local black and mixed race people stage Coca-Cola boycotts. You know, there was in South Carolina at a black service station, someone graffitied on a coca-cola fridge refrigerator this machine has economic pressure it is dangerous to insert money so the coca-cola company realized that actually they're on the wrong side here um, and and uh, of course they they, they realized well why don't why don't we just plug our drink to all Americans instead of this idea of the 1950s, you know, sort of Buddy Holly, white guy drinking Coca-Cola. And mm. um, they then, of course, invested huge amounts in, uh, you know, sports people, Jesse Owens, uh, Sugar Ray Robinson, uh, the boxer the Harlem Globetrotters to, to advertise the drink. And... Um, And they encouraged all of their bottlers in, you know, southern states where the Jim Crow laws had been enforcing segregation to employ black representatives. Um, And, you know, when there was resistance to this, Coca-Cola pretty much said, listen, you've got a license, use it or lose it.
2: I was going to say, like, that... Sort of brave move. It's it was definitely the right move, but, it was a um, move. It
0: was selfish, but it was the right move.
2: It was it was absolutely the right move. But I, I would, like them original board meetings. Can you imagine?
0: Mm. Mm. Um, absolutely.
2: Sort of just coming up with this idea. It's like right, well, this is happening. Let's go. <laughs> mm.
0: Mm. Exactly, and we see Coca Cola changing when America was changing, and actually, it's ironic that in the day before his assassination. Martin Luther King had been calling for a local boycott of Coca-Cola in Memphis because of their hiring practices. Wow. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we've got changing with the time here. We have um, uh, 7-Up being introduced, uh, you know, Sprite and whatnot. Then, you know, as soon as... Hippies went mainstream, so did the hippie idea. Now, this is one of my favourite, weirdest facts about Coca-Cola. So, um, let me see, we've got, you know, the surfer, you know, sort of beach boys fella, drinking coke, blah, blah, blah. Now, in Italy, Coca-Cola got 200 young adults from every corner of the world dressed in their, you know, national costumes, I'm sure, you know, you would have been like a Bobby on the beat, I would have been God, I don't know, a leprechaun or something <laughs> um, and um, you know, they all had to stand around and all hold a bottle of Coca-Cola and sing, you know I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love, blah 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 you know, this, this idea that you know Coca-Cola is single-handedly destroying racism and classism <laughs> but, um, and your body Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, So, you know, it's a bit sort of cheesy. But remember, this was the 1960s. So that was, you know, a kind of a cool idea. However, 1,200 Italian orphans had been brought along for like a day out as part of the filming of this. And um, they all had to sing, I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. And then they all demanded Coca-Cola. And the people on set were like, well, we actually don't have that much. You know,
2: <laughs> we don't um, have any.
0: Yeah, we're we're kind of just shooting an ad here. We're not actually... It started to kick off. The young Italian children rioted. I love and it. sacked the place so that they could get their free Coca-Cola. Isn't that amazing?
2: I love it. I mean, I know one of my good friends, Francesco, is an Italian, and I can absolutely imagine him doing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> With, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Brilliant, I would have loved to have seen that. Mm,
0: mm. Um, let me see, so Coca-Cola changed with the times, really in, in the most selfish way, to sell more bottles of Coca-Cola, they were changing with the times as much as possible. In uh, In the movie E.T., mm. I'm pretty sure E.T. drinks Coca-Cola, doesn't he? Um,
2: oh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I'm sure, yeah, there's product placement everywhere, isn't there, in yeah. these... In these
0: well, I mean, e- Et also at Reese's Pieces, and their no sales way. jumped by seventy percent. do you
2: know what? I'm going to say something controversial, and I um again, I'm really sorry to our American listeners, but American chocolate is shit. <laughs> I'm
0: with you, man. I'm with
2: you. I just I went. Is it Hershey's?
0: Hershey's? Mm,
2: yeah. Oh, so I went into a Hershey's shop in New York. Awful. Just. They were like, "Try this lovely milk chocolate." I was like, "You don't know the meaning of milk chocolate." <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's,
0: sorry, it's sorry, awful,
2: America. Maybe this is when I get cancelled.
0: It would be weird if this was the thing that got you cancelled.
2: <laughs> Do you know the more um, the more crude uh, sort of reviews and the more offensive reviews I get, the better I feel.
0: I'm like, I've made it. As long as they're not of me, that's absolutely fine.
2: Yeah, my last one was, you know, that paddy. Just bloody awful. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't. Everyone loves you. Uh, So, when... So, we've talked about Coca-Cola, as in the full-fat drink, and I alluded to Diet Coke earlier. But when was Diet Coke actually created?
0: So Diet Coke was created in 1982. Oh, I knew it. I fucking mm, knew it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was very passionate. No, That's absolutely fine. (laughs)
0: Um, Baby boomers, you know, they're hugely talked about generation. They were all early 30s, late 20s, Mm. by the early 80s. So the baby boomers became focused on fitness. And, of course, this was not lost on Coca-Cola.
2: so And uh, ruining everything for us.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Claiming Thanks. huge amounts of pensions, which we couldn't dream of. Boomers. Yes. You know, holding on to the property, which has increased hugely in value. But anyway, listen, our, if it wasn't for the boomers, we wouldn't have died, Coke. So, <laughs> um, you know, this was hugely workshopped. Uh, you know, the can alone went through 150 possible designs 10,000 consumers had participated in um, you know, testing taste tests in in various different places, their homes, bars cafes and um, Coca-Cola were confident, really confident so they unleashed Diet Coke in New York and actually at the time, New York tough market, competitive market Mm. and it was 10% So one in ten of every bottle of Coca-Cola sold in America was sold in New York. Wow. So they unleashed it upon, you know, yuppies, young perfect professionals. Now, surprisingly, in blind taste tests, it failed. People didn't like Diet Coke. Oh, really? But when they got that white silvery can in their hands and they knew that it was healthy, of course, today we know it isn't healthy, but back then it's very healthy. It
2: looked cool and slick,
0: Exactly, exactly. And that's what people wanted. So um, Coca-Cola became the official soft drink of the LA Olympics in 1984. No way. And, um, yeah, people were drinking gallons of Coca-Cola and of Diet Coke.
2: I find it funny when, um, especially when there's, like, the Big World Cup or the the Rugby Final or whatever, and then all around the sides they have, like, advertising. And it's all, like, fast food and... um, sugary drinks: It's that, bizarre. The it? sportsman would never, ever drink.
0: No, you're right, wouldn't touch it. wouldn't yeah. touch it. And there's actually a great McDonald's anecdote at this time, because McDonald's sponsored the World Cup too, and I find it so bizarre, but anyhow, McDonald's in, um, in 1984 come up uh, with this really brilliant marketing campaign whereby in certain events in which they knew America would lose they said that if America wins a gold, you get a free Big Mac if America wins (laughs) silver you get a free fries and if America gets a bronze then you get a Coke now they'd specifically selected the competitions in which they knew the Soviet Union would win Now, in retaliation for America boycotting the Moscow Games of 1980, at the last minute, the Soviet Union pulled out of the 1984 Olympics. So suddenly, you've got not Russians and Ukrainians and Moldovans winning these medals, you have Americans. Mm. And McDonald's lost a huge amount of money because they had to give millions and millions of free Big Macs. Well, they shouldn't
2: overpromise, should they, if they're (laughs) (laughs) trying to, I don't know, it's just trying to make themselves look good, isn't it, I guess. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: I saw a really funny meme about um, McDonald's the other day. So, you know, can you remember McDonald's used to be, like, quite a fun, um, I mean, very tacky, but uh, lots of bright colours and there was the plastic figurines kind of Mm -hmm. mounted to the floor and it was all very garish. And then the the McDonald's of today, especially in the UK, is very sleek now, isn't it? They had a mm. they had a makeover and stuff. And, and on the meme, it was just like McDonald's is just like my life. I was fun and happy, and now I'm middle aged and boring, or something like or something along them lines. And it was just so yeah. funny because yeah. Uh, every, everyone used to have like McDonald's parties. It was kind of the the thing oh, to yeah. do. You
0: get, I remember you get a tour of the kitchen on on you know a yeah. Party party or something. yeah yeah. yeah.
2: I oh, um yeah, I remember going having a bowling, it was like a mega bowl or something, and then uh, and then we went to McDonald's afterwards and it was just like the best thing ever. I uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think we had a cinema trip as well. I think we went to see Casper, the Friendly Ghost. Oh
0: yeah, and I
2: um, Casper. Oh, it was such a good film.
0: Mm. Mm.
2: But alas, we are not talking about that. We are talking about Coca Cola. So again, earlier in your little introduction, you told me briefly about this, uh, quotation, disaster of new Coke.
0: Oh, yeah, this is amazing. Um, Now, you and I were born in the 80s, so we wouldn't remember this, but this is bizarre. This is the last thing I'm going to talk about today when it comes to Coca-Cola. So, in 1984, throughout the 80s, right, so you've got all these taste tests for Diet Coke, you know, Coca-Cola wasn't doing particularly well. Well, Mm. it was. It just didn't have the huge market share that it used to enjoy. And people realised that in taste tests, Coca-Cola wasn't performing well. In blind taste tests, you know, drink A, B, C or whatever. It just wasn't doing well. Pepsi was out doing it. So they spent years developing a new Coca-Cola recipe. And it was trialling spectacularly mm. in these taste tests. Yeah. So they decided in, in 1985, we're making Coca-Cola even better. Okay. We are going to make it, um, you know, the best drink that you've I ever had. I hate it and when
2: people do something. that. They're like, new and improved. Like, is it mm. though?
0: New and improved. Is exactly. it? This was a spectacular... Failure. This is when Pepsi declared a company holiday. They gave their workers a day off. Coca-Cola drinkers hated it. Now, in a time before social media, let me talk you through the outrage that we had here. Mm. There was a, you know, um, Coca-Cola can You've got a, a phone number you can call?
2: I mean, I don't Within, know that, but I assume, fine.
0: Yeah, you know, sort of complaints or whatever. Within one week, there was 1,000 calls a day. Within one month of New Coke There was 5,000 calls a day Within eight weeks There was 8,000 Phone calls a day To complain a about day new recipe A day 40,000 letters of, of protest um, Here's some of the examples Of customer feedback <clears throat> There are only two things in my life God and Coca-Cola Now you have taken one of these things away from me <laughs> Mother. Can you imagine anyone ordering rum and Pepsi? I've been hearing such blasphemy. Um, I feel <laughs> like a lost friend is returning home. Thank God for Coca Cola. Um, Oh, sorry, that's when they uh, reversed the decision. Um, Where's the fizz? What happened to the fizz? And then in capitals, I miss the fizz. I do not drink alcoholic beverages. I don't smoke. I don't chase women. My only vice is Coke.
2: don't chase women. Like, that's got anything to do with what you consume.
0: Um, Fidel Castro said that New Coke, as it was called, you know, New Coca-Cola, New Coke, was symptomatic of American decay. At American football matches, when an ad for New Coke came on the screen, the whole stadium booed. Um, (laughs) After three months, it was cancelled. That's
2: so interesting. So they literally changed their... So they've had this recipe for, what, 80-odd years? Yeah. And they've decided now that they're just going to change the whole thing. But then I suppose that heart was back to it's... It's not the product, it's the... Do you know what I mean? It's That's the brand. Right. It's the, yeah,
0: yeah. It was objectively, it was better, but people hated it. Um, now, here's the interesting thing. It wasn't a disaster. They got free publicity. And yes. for months, people would only talk about Coca-Cola. So weirdly... This was the best marketing campaign they'd ever had because people complained about how much they loved Coke. Now, if I could just tell you what happened in these 12 weeks. The American president, Ronald Reagan, had an operation for cancer. Death squads terrorised Guatemala. 10,000 died in a Bangladesh cyclone. Lebanese Shiites hijacked an airliner. Not one of these stories could knock. New coke off the front page.
2: Doesn't that just sum up us consumerism mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. capitalism down to a T mm-hmm. That's mental. Isn't, Isn't it funny? Crazy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like so, I, I mean like again comparing it to modern times where there were loads of People dying on a daily basis, but all we could talk about was how many loo rolls people were buying in the shops.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right, at the start of the pandemic. Mm. Yeah. So it it just, I think that goes to show how important Coca Cola is. Uh, I want to finish there. You know, I think we all know that Coca Cola is invested in, you know, water bottles, uh, you know, sort of a healthier lifestyle and whatnot, but I think. The history of new Coke is a good place to draw a line on it. And that was pretty much just before its 100th birthday.
2: A lot has happened in a short space of time, to be mm. honest. Mm. Um, OK, mm. I've got a question for you. Do you drink Coke?
0: No. no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Not>. <laughs> Both of us talking about Coca-Cola and none of us drink it. Unless it's a mixer. No, I mean,
0: yeah, like, yeah, as a mixer, maybe... Um, Diet Coke the odd time but no not really I mean I imagine uh, you know I, I, I did read a history book on, on Coca-Cola I forget but I think it's just the first one that comes up when, when you search it on, a, on, on an online book uh, it's, I'm just saying Amazon Um but no i mean i imagine the seals of, of coca cola today would would make for interest interesting history because you know if people think that health was big in the 1980s i mean being healthy is huge now so mm,
2: yeah 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 absolutely and i think the, a lot of these these companies that have been around so long have got have had to change their image i mean even now i know i mean i know it's law and stuff but they they have to put on crisp packets and Stuff like as part of a healthy diet, and as part of mm-hmm. this, and mm-hmm. you can't solely live off this, and you will get diabetes and die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's um it's incredible, but um so I watch a lot of uh, antique uh, programs. So there's one um uh, where these two guys go around America, and they I can't remember what it's called, but they pick stuff up and some of the most valuable items are the old coca-cola dispensing machines the old bottles because if you Mm, if you get an if you get an image of of the glass bottle and and again i don't drink it but everyone's like oh it tastes so much better of a glass bottle and um it's that whole nostalgic modern history that goes with it but yeah some of the the branding and the design and the you can you can see how they've progressed even though the logo hasn't changed the
0: mm-hmm. the
2: way mm-hmm. that they've marketed themselves has and the shapes of the bottles and the um the the dispensing machines like I said and 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 just the posters and the um enamel signs and the mirrors that they created and all this stuff that was just brand 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 is so valuable
0: yeah you're right and you know, there's there's a fascinating study to be done on the early Coca-Cola bottles and how actually they went hand in hand with the fashion of women's bodies.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, because absolutely. We, well let's be honest, what what a Coca Cola bottle is not just something that fits in your hand, it is the perceived shape of a beautiful woman. Mm. Yeah. And the bottles used to be different, so they've actually gone with society's perception of what beauty is.
2: Yeah. I mean, for the last however lot, obviously we have plastic bottles now, um, which is terrible for the environment, but um, mm. The, mm. the glass bottles always look better, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel. That's been really interesting. Again, someone who doesn't drink the substance... Um, someone who knows actually uh, do you know what i actually knew more than i thought i knew which is bizarre especially right at the
0: which beginning which goes to show you the impact that american culture coca-cola capitalism has on all of our lives the end
1: you know this was me five years ago and it's still me because i confess i'm a waistline watcher from way back well that's enough for today now for a lively lift ice cold coca-cola there's no waistline worry with coke you know Actually, this individual-sized bottle has no more calories than half a grapefruit. Mmm, another thing, the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Coke's a natural, wholesome blending of pure food flavors. I guess that's why everyone likes the refreshing new feeling you get, only from not-too-sweet Coca-Cola. And no wonder, lively, lifty Coca-Cola provides a welcome bit of quick energy between meals. Makes for a pleasant pause in a busy day. Oh, and remember, Coke is low in calories, too. Say, now, don't you get any thinner. (laughs) uh, Looks like somebody's been doing some shopping, and that means somebody's been doing a lot of walking and getting more and more worn out, because by the time a woman assembles a complete spring wardrobe, she's generally covered a lot of floor space in a lot of stores. So it's little wonder that smart shoppers everywhere take time out to pause and refresh. And where else but in the fountain where they serve ice cold Coca Cola? Almost everyone appreciates the best. And the bright tang of Coke is always welcome after a busy day of shopping. The bracing sparkle and the bit of quick energy you get in Coke makes it the perfect refreshment every time. It gives you a bright little lift. It brings you back so refreshed so quickly. What the song says is really true. There are times every day as you work or you play when a pause would be welcome to you. And it's then that you find the bright thought in your mind that only a Coke will do. Fifty million times a day at home, at work, Yes, for a bright taste and a bracing sparkle for perfect refreshment every time There's nothing like ice cold Coca-Cola There's nothing like cold a-